Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Hi, America. This is Dr. Devon Young. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. Devon Young, and today have we got a show for you. I'm going to start this off by just giving out the number uh, to the show. It's 646-478-5610, 646-478-5610. During the second half of the program, uh, we will make every attempt to take some of your calls today. So uh, with that stated, let me just jump straight into this. This show is about manifestation, or put it in the show's title, How to Manifest Miracles. That is such an awesome subject. You hear psychologists, scientists, uh, New Age thinkers, religious leaders, ranging from everyone from the Dalai Lama to uh, Mother Nature has always had a quest to ask us, okay, how do I manifest my potential? How do I manifest a miracle? Well, I can tell you this. The power of intention is a very significant player in this thing. And in order to make the law of attraction work for you, you must understand this power of intention. And I'm going to go through uh, several aspects of this discussion from how to make these things take place, what is the mindset and what is the spiritual and mental positioning that is required for you to have manifestation take place in your life. With that stated, intention suggests that nothing is going to get in the way. I've come to realize that Dr. Devon Young isn't doing any of this. I'm not writing the books. I didn't create this radio program. I haven't uh, been the source of the ability that I've been so blessed to have to be able to now lecture for an hour without writing down anything but some notes. I realize that something much greater is working through me, that something is the force of energy, the force of life, the spirit that is within me. It is the intention itself. And intention, mind you, is not something that you do. It's something that you connect to. And I'm going to repeat that again. Intention is not something you do. It is something you connect to. That something is the Holy Spirit, and one, that's in my belief. In other systems, it's collecting to the greater unknown, to the to the collective consciousness. It's connecting to the spirit within to the chi, to the life force. It's connecting to the energy. And as we know, two things, energy can never be destroyed. It only changes forms, and it has no decay, and it has no origin. So it sounds to me that we're talking about something that is very, very powerful. And I'm here to tell you that within itself, it is an 
unmeasurable and indescribable force. Now, which those that live of a source that we call intention and that absolutely everything that exists in the entire cosmos came about by intention. Now, here's the trick. That intention had to have a spawning point. And in my belief system, that intention, I refer to it as God. God is the ultimate source of intention. And now for those of you that may be agnostic or been atheist and you're going, okay, has uh, Dr. God lost his damn mind? No, I have not lost my mind. This is just, there's so much evidence of this, and if I had the time, I would break this down into uh, scientific jargon, but for just if I would ask for you, just indulge me a bit. Now, for those of you that are listening to my voice, which includes everyone that's paying attention right now, at this moment, you are not tuned into this program by accident. You were guided here, and something within you guided here. It is not happenstance. It's not a coincidence. It is definitely something greater than yourself, something that is within your collective unconscious or in your psyche that is ordering your steps. Now, for those of you who are spiritually evolved, you are in the process of learning a bunch of things at this season in your life. One thing that I hope that you're learning is that there is no amount of pious, right-acting, self-righteous, religious behavior that is going to get you to your next level. As a matter of fact, I'm going to dare to, su- to suggest that this is a season in which your focus must be targeted on cleansing the numbing effects that that stupidity brought about and all of the needless and unnecessary concerns that you have allowed to hold you hostage as well as your destiny, as well as your purpose, all of these things have been suffocated because someone has put some crap in your head that is, and I'm just, if I step on your religion, don't write me because I'm just going to delete it, but I'm going to say this. If you are a woman and some idiot told you you cannot wear pants because that is going to block you from connecting with your divine source. If someone has told you that you must do something a certain time of day or you have to, uh, there are certain things you cannot say in your vernacular or whatever, that these things, let me tell you something. Your creator is so much bigger than a religious or political agenda that if he or, or if you, uh, for some of you feminists out there, if you want to don't not give your creator a gender, but if you just want to say the source of your creation is so limited that it will be bound by some religious crap that man has created, that it will be bound by some dogma, by sexism, by racial bias, by even a nationalistic belief system, you have lost your dog on mine. Now, I want to move even deeper into this. Things like your doubts, your fears, your past failures, or even your negative, discouraging friends, you know the ones that are always impeding you from pursuing the greater unknown because they constantly are pouring negative, doubting statements on you by saying, are you serious? Are you really going to try that? Or do you really think that you're going to walk away from your five or your six-figure year job and be successful using your gift? Well, I am here to tell you 
you need to tell those people to go where it gets really hot and you cannot return from, a.k.a. hell, because the truth is your gifts will make room for you. Your talents will bring you before great men. And if you are tired of settling for the ordinary, consider this. Everything in the universe, from the celestial bodies to a mosquito, everything is by grand design. This includes every river you see, every book, every tree, every flower, every scent, every sound, every color. And, yes, that even includes you. Everything that shows up in the material world emanated from our creative source. And my vernacular, I'm going to say God. I'm going to also say that the source is more than just something that is you can't, um, you can't connect with. As a matter of fact, you cannot sever your connection to it. You are automatically connected to your creator, and, and that connection is the spirit within you. Things that are in our material world, these things came into being because that source called those things that were not as though they are. That source spoke things into existence. As a matter of fact, that very creative source fashioned you in its image, and that source, again, has given you the ability to do what it does because if, if you are the offspring, if you are what is tired from your creator, all that, it, that I just said you have the ability to do because God put that ability within me. And, and life begets life. Now, you're probably going, okay, Dr. D, how does that connect me to the laws of attraction? Well, I'm going to tell you something really simple and to the point. That is the essence of the law of attraction. Like attracts like. And I have a, a couple of guests that are going to be on the show in just a moment, but I want you to hear this and let nothing, absolutely nothing and no one stop you from accepting this as a truth. Here it is. You are able to create miracles in your life. You are able to heal yourself. You are able to create wealth. And today, we're going to expose you not only to this as a belief system, but I am going to, and my guests are going to give you the evidence, the truth, the actual substance to let you see that this is not only possible, but it has been done in the lives of my guests. It happens every day in my life, and the people that come into my office, it happens in their lives. So without further ado, I would like uh, to go ahead and just have my first guest on, and um, I'm, I'll go ahead and introduce her. Uh, Diane Gray is one of the most phenomenal people that I've ever talked to in my life. She has created, her job is like, it, it blows my mind. What Diane does is she is bringing reality and meaning to situations that many people would feel are the darkest of the dark days. But Diane comes in, and what she does is she shows that, you know, none of this is an accident. And what many of us fail to see is that when we feel that we are in our darkest, most disparaging hour, what appears in your view 
to be a curse is really the source of your blessings. At present, uh, Diane is working on a PBS documentary. She runs a nonprofit organization, a speakers bureau. Uh, There's so much that I could say about her, but I I don't even want to get into her accolades because her gifts and her purpose overshadow anything she's achieved. Um, And if you ever meet or come in contact with this woman, instantly you will know that your life has been impacted. So without further ado, Diane, are you there? I am, and thank you so very much for those very generous and kind words. I'm I'm thrilled to be with you today. I want to ask, I I just want to jump straight in, and again, you're always welcome here. This is a home for you, but I want to jump straight in. Would you share with our listening audience how the laws of attraction have worked in your life? And America, I'm going to say this, the law of attraction, is and so I'm going to just put this out there. It's wherever you put your attention, wherever you put your focus, you bring these things to you, and with willful intent, manifestation takes place because of you focusing, and listen to the term I'm going to use, America, focusing your energy in a given area. And if it's something that you want, you get it, and I'm going to warn you, if you focus your energy on things you don't want, you're going to get those too. So with that set up, Diane, give us your story about how the laws of attraction have worked for you. You know, it's it, um, thank you for the question. It's really very interesting to me. I mean, and I'll dive in, as you say. Um, you know, at nine years old, my dad died of a heart attack. He was 39 years old. I learned early on about uh, sudden loss and grief. Um, following that, you know, just our house was in, in tumult and, you know, my mom, uh, you know, she was not the typical parent in many ways um, in terms of, you know, great parenting skills. And my brother and I really pretty much raised ourselves. Um, you know, but one thing I found out early on was that I had a sense of adventure and every chance I got I would go outside and I would go out into nature and I would just connect with the wind in my face, you know, and or and just the breeze and, and being in touch with nature, which for me also put me in touch with God. Um, fast forward to high school, I really had this soft spot in my heart for kids who could not walk or move and they had muscular dystrophy. I don't know if you remember Jerry Lewis's telephones. <laughs> But I was taken aback because I was an athlete and said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to raise money for this group in high school. Became a top fundraiser, went on to college, really uh, wanted to study more about, you know, medicine and sports and things like that and fell asleep in a lot of classes <laughs> except neurology and fell in love with it and graduated, got married, had kids, and ended up in uh, 1994 with a son who was diagnosed with a rare neurological disorder, one in a million. Uh, I had a brand newborn child who uh, subsequently, because it was a genetic disorder, I found out she's a carrier for this same disease and uh, often died 14 years later after nine years of me caring for him at home and five years of me caring for him at home with the assistance of hospice. I saw profound suffering Um, marriage fell apart, tremendous financial pressure. And for any of you out there who know, 
you know, what that looks like. It means looking into the refrigerator and saying, wow, okay, pay the insurance, buy more food. But, you know, those kinds of decisions. And um, along the road, though, somewhere back in, you know, high school, middle school, for me, I connected to spirit. And I learned early on that I was not in charge. And when my son was diagnosed with a rare neurodegenerative disorder, I kind of forgot that lesson and said, okay, we're going to beat this, we're going to cure this. But toward the last, you know, part of his journey, I learned that there was a different meaning in all of this and that there were life lessons to be learned. And I could only achieve those life lessons or learn those life lessons through surrender and through completely... Yes, go ahead. Diana, I want to ask a question. You you set up a really big thing where many people can identify with, okay, I've gone through hell, I'm going through all this suffering. Uh, it seems like the world is just urinating on my hopes and dreams, right? And, <laughs> and at the mm-hmm. end of all of that, you look up and you realize the first little hint was I decided that I wanted to help people. And then the universe said, okay, we'll help you do that. And then you start realizing, uh, all right, in the midst of this torment, a testimony has been formed. So the universe guided you to that. Where has that guidance taken you? Because I know we're going to break it 23 minutes after the hour, but uh, where has that guidance taken you and your walk in life today where you can say, this is what I thought, this is what I willed into my life, now here's the fruit of it? Okay, it's really simple. My son died. I had to um, sit with him through the removal of nutrition and hydration. And I thought my life, and I honestly physically felt that I had died or would die of watching my son die. Amazingly, I didn't die. (laughs) Shocker. I was in the parking lot of a Publix, uh, our area supermarket, one night at 8 o'clock and ran into someone who used to work at my son's hospice and now had a new job. And she said, hey, I want you to meet my boss. And that little thing in the back of my head that says, say yes. So I said, yes, I'll meet her for lunch. She hired me. I became the uh, director of a book division of a publishing company. That job led me to the uh, acquisition of a manuscript based on the life of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. I became a part of that board by saying yes. Even though it wasn't a perfect situation, I became a part of that board and stayed on it. I'm still a part of that, and I'm now the president of the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. Uh, I listen to and speak with thousands of people every year. Through my writing, I was asked uh, to participate in case study evaluations and presentations with someone from Harvard. And I'm just a mom from Naples, Florida, who lost her child like millions of other people around the world lose their children. Those presentations and the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation and my work um, have led me to producing a documentary uh, with PBS and with Creative Vision Foundation um, on end-of-life care with extraordinary people. I mean, the fact that here I am eight years after the death of my son as the president of this Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation, a speaker and a writer and really a listener, 
uh, helping to produce a film. It's unbelievable to me. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So, so what I want to, let me, let me say this real quick, Diane, because this story is so rich. I apologize for interrupting you, but I know we're going to break in about three minutes. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to ask that you hang around uh, for the show because our next guest is really going to connect dots for this. Um, the one thing that I, I'm, I keep hearing resonate in what you're giving in this testimony is that, number one, in your your circumstances, no matter how horrific or tumultuous they were, and, and the birthplace of all of this tragedy, you kept alluding to the tragedy connected to you, to the transmogrification or to the transformation into something wonderful, which is the accumulation, not just so much of the titles, because you have those big titles in producing for PBS is a big deal and speaking to tens of to hundreds of thousands of people every year. That's a big deal. But at the end of the day, what I keep hearing you say and what keeps resonating with me is a little voice agreed with you. Or let me reverse that. You agreed with a little voice that told you right now you should. Is that correct? Absolutely. Emphatically. Okay, Okay, next question. Then what I'm hearing you say is that your circumstances, at some point you realize that there was a connection between tragedy and turmoil and transformation to manifestation. Would that be correct? Absolutely. In fact, what happened is, Ian, you're right about the titles and the job, and that's just the outside manifestation of what was happening on the inside. And what was happening on the inside was my ability to be still, to be present, to be so filled with gratitude for all of that hardship. It refined my soul. And I'm still a work in progress, but uh, it's a process of refinement and also incredible opportunity for rebirth and hope. That That's really deep. We're going to ask, I want you to stick around. We're getting ready to go to our first break. Uh, you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. To top, today's topic is how to manifest miracles. Uh, my next guest, when he comes back, uh, he and I are going to really get into the laws of attraction and the art of manifestation. If you want to give us a call, you can hit us at 646 478 We will make every effort to try to get to your call somewhere probably by the end of this second segment or possibly the third segment of the program, but we'll be right back. This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. We'll be right back in about 60 seconds. This song is dedicated to special, unique people like me, outcasts, but you never cast out. Loving what I see when the mirror looks at me Cause I, I imagine me in a place No insecurities and I'm finally happy Cause I imagine me letting go Of all of the ones who hurt me
Hi, we're back. This is Dr. Devon Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. Devon Young. That's really cool that Julia just played that. That was Alexis' fight. Uh, she was a season finalist, uh, the second runner, and uh, she was a guest on my show last week. And it's so amazing how, in this topic, uh, Alexis Spike was homeless. Her and her family were living in a motel, in a hotel, and very much like Diane's story, she went from tragedy to triumph. And it's almost like the universe has this way of uh, baptizing someone and the worst of things only to have them be like Phoenix and resurrect from the ashes, unscathed and transformed and prepared. My next guest, uh, he is a very, very dear friend of mine. Uh, he's, uh, I know everybody's heard of, um, if you haven't heard of Fernando Marone, the Oz, I don't know where you've been, but you will uh, over the next uh, few months hear about him, especially here on this show. I'm going to try to have him on at least once a month to talk about the auto manifestation. Fernando is um, a proven gifted uh, medium and psychic, and I know for some of you religious nuts out there, you go, psychic, well, let me give you a hint. Nathan was a prophet, okay? There, you know, there, there were lots of prophets in the Bible, and the God that was alive and well in the Bible and the Quran, the Quran, and all of these holy books happens to still be very much alive and kicking, and he has modern-day people that walk around and operate with uh, discernment and prophetic gifts, and I am so uh, honored to have Fernando Moron as my guest because he is one of these people that, if you meet him, talk to him, it's um, it's almost like meeting Diane. There's there's a kindred spirit and there's an awareness and a clarity that Fernando brings to any situation. Uh, his presence, I have seen just his presence in a room transform someone that was from, from being hopeless to being hopeful, from someone that was filled with despair to having a destiny. So without further ado, Fernando, are you there? Hello, my friend. Hey, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I am doing absolutely wonderful today. That's great. I, I wanted to bring you all, uh, there's so much to talk about. As we heard with Diane's story, and, and I hope you could hear it while you were waiting to come on, is she went, from, she went through living hell and a nightmare to now this woman Every time a microphone is it like now, millions of people are being changed by what she's saying and what she's done. And, and if you ever meet her in person, it is the fact that she went through hell that brings a heavenly presence to these situations. So what I wanted to ask you about is that in the laws of attraction, one of the things that um, you have to understand is to make a change You've got to see things as you hope them to be and not as they are. Would that be a correct assumption, Fernando? <clears throat> well, you know, with the law of attraction, in order for you to really have a, a solid grasp of what you want to happen in your life or what you want for yourself, you have to have a solid understanding of what you don't want. And I think for many people, you know, going through hardship, as much as we don't enjoy going through experiences where we're suffering, where we're feeling pain, where we are in a state of despair, those situations actually set up the platform for us to be able to desire better things for ourselves in our lives. So, you know, I, 
you know, I, I can really relate to Diane because I really came from a very difficult upbringing. My mother was not married, and I was the, I was, uh, she actually was my father's mistress, and he was married with children. Uh, so I was the bastard child of, of a man, and he refused to acknowledge that I even existed. So for most of my life, my young adult life, I, I had no father. I really had no real uh, solid uh, father figure. And I went through life just very, very alone, very secluded. I, I didn't have uh, the ability to communicate with other people very well, very shy, introverted. And um, as time went on, you know, going through some of the hardships that I went through, an abusive uh, relationship with my stepfather who came into the picture many years after, uh, it really helped to set up a drastic change for my life later, later on. Um, but in order for me to get to those changes, in order for me to get to the place that I am at today, I, have, I had to go to some of those things so that I could understand what I wanted for myself. Let me ask you this, Fernando, because that's, that sets up a wonderful point. I have, and like yourself, what is so ironic, when I was 11 months old, my mother went, uh, came from Chicago to South Texas in a little rural town to visit her great aunt, and I ended up, being, and they said, look, you know, Rose, it's not, this is like 1962, and it's not cool to be a woman with a bastard child, and you're separated, and the child that you just had was not your husband's kid, so... I, too, had a, a very unique start in life. And what it led me to later in life was I was always, uh, for a lot of my Anglo friends that are listening, and especially in Australia and Canada, they will not relate to this. And But some of you in the U.K. probably will. I always felt like a third leg. I mean, I was an outcast. I, the kids said I talked like a white kid. I uh, dressed like a white kid. I was always the token black, and my parents were trying to give me what I thought was a sense of thing to be made fun of and mistreated, but they were thinking, look, if I give you this environment and this better education, then the future will bless you, and it did. But what it did do for me, Fernando, was it put me in a situation like what you described where I was always alone, no friends, sitting up, having nothing but time to brood and ruminate over my loneliness. Now, my question to you, and I'd like for you to expand on this, Fernando, you can increase the magnetic power of time by doing some powerful thinking and seclusion each day. My question is this. Do you think there's a connection between people being put in a position where they have to almost like suffer in silence in order to connect with the greater part of self within? You know, if you look around in society, you look at some of our greatest achievers, they have a, most of them have a very tumultuous story, something that they came through. You know, look at Oprah Winfrey, Barack Obama, Steve Jobs. They went through situations in lives where they were really tested as people. The character, their, their way of thinking about things, the way that they learned to survive was was uh they were impacted by severe circumstances and it changed them as people and as they got you know as they got older and went through life and and moved through some of those circumstances they were able to dream bigger dreams have bigger visions than someone who actually came up in a very fortunate situation so you know it's 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 kind of ironic because some of the people who are born into situations where they have everything they need 
don't really do much with it. They don't really do much for other other people. There are some people who are philanthropists, of course, but their visions aren't as grand as those who have gone through really extreme hardships. So some of the hardships are really necessary to really create a bigger dream than you are able to create for yourself. You know, every time you go through a, something difficult, I know when I go through something difficult, I pray. I, I, I speak to God. I talk to God. I ask. I, I send all of my, my pain and emotion to God, and God hears all of that. And what God is doing is listening, paying attention, and creating something that is not only going to uh, be beautiful because of, what you've just gone through, but it's going to far surpass anything that you asked for. Um, but you have to, sometimes you have to go through a difficult situation to get to that dream, to get to that place where great things are waiting for you. Okay, Fernando, let me ask you this then. When what I'm hearing you say is instead of, and America, please write this down, because this is one of the first steps that you're going to need to take in order to have the laws of attraction work for you. And it's going to be the ursher or the, the guiding star, so to speak, that's going to lead you toward manifestation. And that is, and Fernando, please correct me if I'm wrong or expand on this after I make this statement. Don't allow yourself to wallow in disappointment because being disappointed only attracts more stuff to be upset about and is only a sign you're not getting what you want in life. So think about how to get what you want instead of what you don't have. Would that be a good way to look at that, Fernando? You know, you listed a good you listed a good keyword. Don't allow yourself to wallow. And so whenever we go through things in life, we're gonna be impacted. We're gonna be affected. And some of us are gonna feel pain. Some of us are gonna be very disturbed are distraught because of the situation we're in, but we're, and we're human. We're meant to, that's the reason why we're here. We're meant to go through experiences in life to form ourselves, to develop ourselves, to experience, uh, because we are like the experiencing hand of God. Um, and so the key word you used was wallow. So allow yourself to feel what you feel in the situation. Give yourself a moment to be human. Understand that this is a human experience and you're going through something that you're entitled to go through, that you're supposed to go through. And then recover yourself. Recover yourself, recover yourself, meaning start to recognize that you are, you don't, don't give up on life, don't give up on people, and don't give up on yourself change that and recognize that you are going to a place where if you get too too fixated on what's wrong with your life, you're going to get stuck there. So start to shift and start to get into a habitual way of thinking of yourself in a positive way, try, really letting go of what has just occurred. You know, oh, this will be okay. This is, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. And if you can form an action plan, something physical that you can do to move forward or away from the situation that is causing you so much pain, do that because it's your way of saying to the universe, hey, I know this is bad. I know this is tough. I know this is difficult, and I accept it. I accept it for where I am at right now, but I'm not going to stay here. Things are going to get better, and I'm going to try differently. And so then you begin to move your energy or shift your energy in a different direction. Some people get stuck there, and they begin to wallow, and they become they get stuck in a perpetual loop of, my life is horrible, my, you know, I really just, every time I try something, it doesn't work, uh, you know, and, and once they get stuck in that loop, 
then they're only reinforcing that energy. And guess what? Life, God is going to come in and say, hey, you know, honey, you're, you're asking for this. You're praying for this because of the energy you're putting out. And I have no choice but to recognize that and give that to you because I can't give you anything else. You won't let me. You're too fixated on that. So wow. don't wallow. Don't wallow. Wow, that is really deep. Now, now I want to say this. Um, there's what I'm hearing is to make a change, you've got to see things as you hope them to be and not as they are. And, and I remember I was being interviewed on the Bella Petite Hour with Ann Lauren, um, and there was a dude named Michael Fertet. He was a 2012 Olympian. Uh, this dude runs, uh, he and Usain Bolt are on the same track team, I think, uh, for Jamaica. And he's, you know, one, one of the fastest men in the world. And, and I, I remember when he and I got a chance to, like, do this interview, uh, what I heard him saying was he visualized himself winning. He visualized himself, uh, you know, outrunning everyone and, and not having a false start and, and not dropping a baton. Instead, he visualized himself doing everything with perfection. And I also remember... Uh, Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, he spoke about picturing himself winning every night before bed. And I'm going to even be honest with you. Um, my producer, Julia, one day I was having, um, I'm human, so America, even though I've got all these damn degrees and what have you, and a master's in metaphysics, uh, Julia said to me, she said, are you visualizing? Are you using what you know? And I'm so grateful to her for that because, she made. She reminded me that in order to affect true positive change in your experience, you must disregard how things are as well as how others are seeing you and give your attention to the way that you prefer things to be. And I really believe, I know in, in the book The Secret, in my book Another Chance, Where Would You Be Without One, I am constantly saying that, before you can have a vision, you must envision, meaning within yourself, come into agreement with the dreams and the things that the Holy Spirit has deposited in you. Because Diane made that reference earlier. She, she made the comment and she said, you know, when she was looking at her child go through suffering and she, she often felt like she was going to die, but then she realized that she wasn't. And when she came to that realization, uh, I'm, I'm going to draw an inference because she didn't say this, but I think I, I picked it up in what she was saying, is that she saw within herself a greater purpose for all that she had been through. So, Fernando, are you saying that in, for us to have the manifestation of that which we hope for, we need to sit down and willfully envision ourselves being and doing what we dream of and what we're created to be? You know, I'm going to take it one step further, and I'm going to say we need to realize what we want things to be. You know, it's, it, you're, you're invoking, you're using that will that you were given, you know, by God. You have free will. You have a, a freedom to choose how you want things to be in your life. And most people choose out of bad habits. They choose out of circumstances. They choose out of fear. And we don't have to make choices based out of those things. We can just choose because we want something. And, you know, I, I could, today I could decide, hey, I'm going to be the, the world's fastest swimmer, 
But if I don't really care about it, and yet I'm every day thinking about being the world's fastest swimmer, most likely that's not really going to come to pass because it doesn't mean anything to me. But if I if I say today I'm going to, you know, I'm going to meet President Barack Obama, you know, and I'm going to take a picture with him and I'm going to be able to thank him for the work that he's done in the White House, whether some people agree with that or not, you know. For me, it means something. And because it means something to me, when I see that in my mind, when I realize that that moment, it, it's, you know, I'm charging that energy. I'm sending that energy out in, in the form of a prayer, actually. You know, you know just sitting, being on your knees and putting your hands together is not the only form of prayer there is. You can actually uh, send out energy to God and ask for things. And when you realize or visualize, that's a form of prayer. You're sending that energy out. My, one of my very first experiences with the law of attraction was when I was about six years old, um, I, like I said, I was very lonely when I was younger, and I really like I really didn't have any friends. I was very much of an introvert, and I, I was lonely. You know, I was just like any human being. I was lonely. And one day I, I came up with this idea. I said, you know, God, I would really like to have a kitten. Uh, you know, I, and I spoke to God in my, in my bedroom at night before I went to sleep. I said, I would really like to have a kitten. And this is the kind of kitten I would like. I would like a Siamese, uh, you know, kitten, a female you know, just a really sweet girl. That way I could play with her and spend time with her, and I would have some company. And I would lay in bed falling asleep thinking of me petting this kitten, laying and cuddling with this kitten, the sound of it purring. I just really, really was passionate about this this idea of having a pet, you know, a pet, a kitten. And for every day for two weeks, every night when I went to sleep, I just, I asked for this. You know, I said, God, you're the creator of worlds. You're, you can do anything. I would really like this. And I, and I know it's not that big of a deal, but for me it is. And I would really like it if I could have a pet kitten. Um, I didn't tell anyone about this request because, you know, it, it, this was a very private request coming from me to God. And so two weeks later, I was in my room playing, I think watching TV, and my mother told me that I had a guest. I had a, a visitor, one of my cousins who lived a few blocks over. She came to visit, and she was at our front gate waiting for me to, to run out and, and open up the gate. So I ran out there with the key, and I said, hey, you know, and I unlocked the gate. And, and I said, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, I was, on my way, almost, I was on my way to your house, and as I halfway here, I heard crying. And so I walked over to the dumpster, and I looked inside, and this is what I found. And she opened her palms, and there in her hands was a kitten. Not just any kitten, but a Siamese kitten. And I just, I mean, my mouth dropped because for the first time in my life, after all of the pain that I had gone through in my life, I really felt like God was listening. And so that was the very first time that I, heard, that I really connected with that energy and the ability to, to understand that we have more power in our lives than we think we do. Wow. So what, what I'm hearing is saying, we're going to take a break right after I make this statement, but you're saying it is better to trust your emotions than think over a decision. In other words, listen to your intuition. And instead of overthinking your choice, let that part of you, your emotions guide you. And I'm not talking about runaway feelings, people, and, uh, you know, you, you're horny and you want to imagine somebody in your bed. And I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying these things that you truly have a passion for and these things that are right and that bring love and benefit to more than just yourself. Because in that story, 
that kitten that was in that dumpster needed you just as much as you need that kitten. I'm a firm believer, just like with Diane's story, that uh, when she started uh, realizing her passion for helping others and 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 holding the hands of other people while they were going through turmoil, that the collective creative consciousness, the mind of God, is that he gives you a talent that brings you before great men and the gifts make room for you so that you can change the, your world as well as the world around you. Well, hey, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. We're talking about uh, the art of manifestation and how to make manifestation take place in your life. We will be right back in about 60 seconds. even looking for, like 
serving this organization and becoming its president. And then the other side of it, the things you had a vision for and aligning yourself with divine purpose to make those things happen. So whichever one you want to talk about first, the ball's in your court. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to back up to something uh, Fernando said, and and also it, it reflects upon the story. You might hear my story and you say, oh, well, you know, she's had tremendous opportunity. She's had tremendous loss. This, what Fernando is talking about, is open to everyone. It is open to all of you. If you are standing in the supermarket line, if you are pumping gas, if you are homeless, if you are the CEO of some fabulous company, it the this ability to connect to an amazing, abundant force of life and love is available to all of us all the time. It just may not happen in the nanosecond that we demand. So you asked a very specific question, and my response is this. My um, project that I'm working on now, which is the production of uh, an end-of-life care documentary, collaborating with PBS, is simply the manifestation of a life journey. I didn't wake up and one day say, oh, I want to drive a purple car. Even though my son would have loved that as his favorite color. Um, It has been a a refined sense of I am not in charge. And, in fact, I'm going to tell you something. I'm sitting in um, my, my goddaughter, my goddaughter's room, because it's nice and quiet, and I can chat with you from here. And I happen to just glance up on Caroline's wall right now, and I looked at this little teeny thing she has on her wall and it says God made you as you are in order to use you as he planned and it's remembering that every day of my life if I don't like how this is going or how that is going it's about saying all right I'm not really a fan of what's going on right now but not just solely turning it over because a lot of us would choose to say oh I'm going to turn this over and and then I have no responsibility That is ridiculous. I think that God has empowered me with a certain amount of stubbornness, you know, but how do I apply the love and the grace that God has given me, which has manifested through an incredible community of people that have been so kind and generous to me, even when I get fussy sometimes. But the the bottom line here is that I've been blessed. And so in being blessed, I'm very fortunate that I just continue to listen even when it's really hard. And the way that that presents with this PBS documentary is that I wasn't looking for it. I happened to be connected through another radio show that I did four years ago with someone who also lost her son. She contacted me four years later, not four minutes, not four months, four years later for a project She asked me to come to her house. I said, sure, I'd like to come visit on the 25th of June. And she said, well, you can't that day because I have company. Come to find out that the company she had at her house was my best friend from Naples, Florida, who had since moved to Houston, that I hadn't seen in eight years since my son's funeral. 
and they connected through some high school journalism project. And we didn't know that, we didn't know any of us knew the other person. Man, that is amazing. I just got a comment in from the chat room from a lady that's listening, as many of our listeners are. Uh, they're sitting in their office at work and really can't be on the phone. But uh, Denise, you've been, Denise, thank you for this comment. She says, I am a believer of affirmations. I know we can manifest all we put our intention and prayer into. And then she said that a combination for of invocation, unification with God, affirmation, and thanksgiving are the four parts that have helped her with manifestation. And what I'm hearing you say is um, that a great deal of what's happening in your life is because you quit trying to make all the decisions and you let something greater than yourself, meaning the guiding force, the the greater, un, you open yourself up for what the greater unknown had for you and you quit putting the lesser known before because it, the, the biggest thing I'm getting from your last statement is you said, Yvonne, the first thing is I didn't have a time limit on this. And when this did happen, it happened at the right time. And what I'm hearing is that, to me, speaks to another rule in using the laws of, of attraction is be open and let divine timing have its presence. And, Fernando, would you agree with that? You know, <clears throat> divine timing is something that I, I just, I really understand, I really have come to understand that is connected to everything that we do in our lives. Um, many years ago, uh, I had an uncle who was, you know, he, he had cirrhosis of the liver and he was dying. And uh, he was a pretty lonely man most of his life. Never, I never really connected with him. I never really had a relationship with him. And uh, one day, early in the morning, about 6 o'clock, I, I hear a knocking at my door. And I thought, okay, well, that's weird. Who's, who's here this early? And I go and open the door, and uh, it's my uncle. And he wants to come in and just sit down and just uh, visit for an hour. And I said, okay, well, you know, we didn't really have anything to talk about. So I turned on the TV, and what just happened to be playing on the channel that I turned on was uh, Lewis and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. So we would watch the show, uh, 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 you know, at, at the time it would come on, and the next day he came back and did the same thing. And so every day we created this, you know, practice of watching the show together, you know, and just getting through it. And once the show was over, he would leave. We didn't have, we still didn't have a relationship. We might mention something or talk about something random, but this was the, this was our way of connecting with each other. And for him, I guess, to, to not feel so alone through what he was going through. Um, fast forward several months, uh, his health declined. He got worse. And the decision was made to put him into a hospital center where he could be taken care of throughout his, the final stages of his life. And I, I felt very empathetic towards him, and I wanted to be there with him. So I stayed the week with him in the hospital center, and I helped the nurses with his care and so forth. And the last day came, uh, uh, well, actually my last day for, for being there came, and his wife was going to stay that night with him. And I went home and was resting, and I, I had a, a voice in my mind, in my, in my head that said, tonight is going to be the night you need to be there. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to respect that. And my aunt would probably want the company as well. I know this is a very difficult time for her. So I went uh, back to the hospice center, and we were there that night, and I fell asleep. 
And I woke up because my aunt started calling my name, and she said, Fernando, Fernando, wake up. I think it's happening. I think he's, I think he's about to pass. So I woke up, and I, we stood next to his bed, and um, the TV was on. You know, it was just on some random channel that she had put it on. And as he was taking his last few breaths, I turned and looked at the TV, and the movie Superman came onto the TV. And I realized in that moment that there is something so much more at work here than any of us have any control over. And just to accept and acknowledge that there's a beauty to everything, even to the last moments of someone's life, changed me forever. Changed me forever. Let me ask you this, Fernando, because I, we're gonna we're gonna go about five minutes over America, so be patient with me. I I don't want to end this show uh, without giving you guys the opportunity to contact Fernando and Diane. But here's what I find so uh, amazing in your story. Number one, that's what Diane does. She spends her time uh, being bedside with people that are going into transition. And this was, I promise you, America. This was not my intention in doing this show. Uh, but Fernando's gift is that he has uh, what's his John Edwards as the other guy that's about he's a, he's probably a little bit better known than Fernando for a moment for at least for a moment. But he and John Edwards do the same thing. Fernando has the ability to communicate with people that have passed on, and I did not you know I did not believe it and I did not doubt it. But what happened was I have referred several people to him. And one in particular, uh, her name is Marlo Young. She's a hell of a therapist, uh, a physical therapist. And what Marlo came back and said to me, she said, Yvonne, I cannot believe it. He said, what's the significance of a white dress? And I said, well, what was the significance? He said, well, my grandmother wanted to be buried in a white dress, and she and I wanted to wear a matching white dress. And then she went on and told me other things, you know. So I know for a fact that that which we cannot see doesn't mean that it does not exist. That's number one. Number two is uh, the things that Diane and I have in common. We never knew any of that we had this in common until we really started exploring each other's uh, antecedents and having conversations. So here's where I want to go with this, and I'm going to ask that both of you guys take two minutes to respond on this. Fernando, earlier today, you and I were talking, and I was telling you about orbs. I I go back and forth to Hawaii somewhat frequently, and down there, you do see orbs. They show up on pictures. You can really see them. I mean, like, you know, and I don't drink or smoke dope, folks. I mean, I was sober, and I've seen it several times. But orbs and energy are what's within us. It's the spiritual component of the flesh, And, and here's the proof of this. Those orbs can be seen on electromagnetic devices. You know, if you if you have a cardiac arrest, they uh, defibrillate you using electricity to re-stimulate your heartbeat, right? So, Fernando, is there, uh, or let me say this one other thing before I ask this question. Another thing is for those of us that pray a lot, I know when I get an inclination from the divine, I get goosebumps. Some people in Hawaii, they refer to it as chicken skin, some people say it's the Holy Spirit, but I physically have goosebumps go all over my body. The hair stand on end, especially when I'm working with hurting, broken people in my office, or I'm dealing with someone I know that is about to transition, or I'm getting a spiritual revelation that is going to help someone's life have more peace and direction in it. Fernando, is there a way 
that we can willfully tap into this power? And if so, what is it, and how can we open ourselves up to make it change? Give me about two minutes to answer that question. You know, uh, aside from being a psychic medium, I also I also practice Reiki. And what, for those of, for those people who don't know what Reiki is, it's a, it's a form of hands-on healing. I basically connect with a person, and I ask God to come through me and connect with this person to help them through their process. I'm not walking around saying, hey, I'm Jesus Christ, and I'm about to take away your, your, your pain or your issues. That's between them and God to work through that. I'm just simply providing the connection. And uh, last night I was working on my partner, and uh, he's a very anxious person. He's very mentally, you know, always thinking, always has all cylinders, you know, uh, uh, firing, and he's a light sleeper. And so I know he was having a lot of stress and anxiety yesterday, and so I said, let me, let me do some Reiki. I think it will help you out. And so as I started to perform the Reiki on him, he calmed down, his breathing slowed, and he kind of went into a different state. It wasn't anything we intended for. I was simply just trying to calm him down. And after, the, 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 after our session, he said, you know, it's so weird. He said, normally I have thought after thought after thought after thought. But as you started to do the Reiki, I got so calm and relaxed, and all of a sudden I saw images or pictures in my head. I saw an image of an eagle. I saw a picture of a top hat. I saw just very random images. And I said, well, well, the reason why you're seeing that is because you're channeling or you're connecting with spirit and they're trying to communicate to you. And what they're doing is using the thoughts you have in your head, the memories that you possess, to, to try to con- connect with you and help you understand the message that they're giving you. They don't speak in your ear. You know, they don't, they don't stand in front of you and, you know, hold up a sign that says, hey, you know, they, they communicate through your thoughts, through your memories, and it's very subtle. And in order for you to grasp it, you have to calm, relax, and surrender over to something that that's, uh, you know, has more power. And when you get to a place of that kind of relaxation, it naturally flows through. So what I would suggest to people, if they want to connect with the spirit and start to have their own experiences, is A, have a pretty set-up belief system, whether it's believing in angels, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a Catholic, Christian, you know, whatever it is, have a belief system and start to understand more about that system. You know, I, I use angels because they comfort me. And so anything that I experience is going to come or be experienced through that belief system. It's going to morph and become what that belief system requires it to become so that I understand it. And then second of all, ask for it. Ask for a, a visitation. Ask for communication. And third, get quiet. Every day, life is happening, and we are constantly thinking. When people wake up, they've got, oh, I've got to get to the store this morning. Oh, no, I forgot to wash the clothes last night. God, I really have I need to put that check in the mail. And when people go to sleep, the same process starts happening. And what you have to learn to do is quiet those thoughts. And you can do that through meditation. You can do that through yoga. You can do that through intense prayer. There are several activities you can do that will help you get quiet, surrender over to that stillness, so that spirit can come in and communicate with you. Man, I appreciate that. Fernando, how can people get in contact with you? Because I know there are lots of people out there that have everything from unresolved issues, uh, people that died prematurely or suddenly and they didn't get closure, or that they really just, you know, need to start doing some energy work in order to assist in the healing that their doctors or or their psychologists or their life coaches are helping with. 
and I know that you can do that. So how can they reach you and uh, your website, your email, or telephone number? Please give all of that out. The easiest way to get to me is through my website, which is www.fernandomarone.com, and that's M-A-R-R-O-N. You can also call, call me, which is uh, 832-813-9299, or you can also email me at Fernie, F-E-R-N-Y-E-S-P, at gmail.com. And, you know, just give me a, give me a call or contact me, let me know what you've got going on, and then we'll start working towards what, what you need to do. Hey, man, thank you. Diane, before you get out of here, uh, I've got another question for you before you go. And that is for all of the, and I'm especially going to send this out toward my female listeners and guys, this also applies to you. How did you, or how do you, because I, I know you deal with this almost every week in some capacity, how do you cut off the switch of despair and turn on the switch toward destiny? By falling <laughs> into the despair and really, uh, as Fernando said, allowing myself to feel it and then saying, okay, I felt it, I checked the box, now get up. And it's having that sense of allowing myself to feel it and really go there. If I want to cry, I sob. And it's not that I've never felt profound despair. It's knowing that at some point I have that responsibility to flip the switch, get up, and improve my life. And that's my responsibility because God has already empowered me to do that. Now I have the job to get up and get my pushing gear and get moving and make it better. Okay, I did it. I fell. I was sad. This is it. Let's go and move forward. And it's really that simple. It really is it is that simple, and I want to um, echo something Fernando said, this practice of being still. Being in despair, whether it's through miscarriage, whether it's through loss of marriage, loss of a job, it's okay. But it's important to be still in your despair. Sit, and even if you are quiet for 12 minutes, for five days in a row, be still in those 12 minutes and then try to work your way toward 30 minutes. And after that happens, I promise that over time, one can transcend profound despair. I, I know it's true. I've, I've lived it over and over. That is simply awesome. Uh, Diane, how can people get in contact with you or your organization? Because I know there are a lot of people that are going through everything from transformation to bereavement to yeah, even transitioning or transmogrification from one state of uh, psychologically emotional being to another. So how can they reach you? Please give them a website, phone number, email, whatever you see fit. Sure. Um, the best way to reach me is at D, like Diane, G-R-A-Y, at H-H-C, communications.com or you can find me on Twitter Diane D-I-A-N-N-E B as in boy G-R-A-Y or you can also find me on Facebook at D-I-A-N-N-E Gray and then my hey, maiden name is does Diane Barrett B-A-R-R-E-T-T -T. What is the website? 
Uh, my website for my company is www.hhccommunications.com, or you can also reach out to me through the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation, and there's an info at. Okay, thank you, Diane Gray. I appreciate you. I want to thank both my guests today, Diane Gray and Fernando Malone. Here's what I want to say to you. In the, in the, uh, in the Bible, there's this statement that says, be still and know that I am God. Many times we hinder ourselves from getting the help in that we could get that is really available to us because we keep trying to do things in our own strength. And if you're going through a tumultuous situation, know that it is not happening to punish you. It is more than likely taking place to position you. So it starts with a P, but there's a lot of difference between being punished and being positioned. And it is all about how you look at things. And I'm going to say this. If you want the things, you look at the change. Change the way you look at things. One, I'm going to have a show in the near future about 39 scientific concepts, uh, maybe a couple of shows. But here's the one I want to leave you with today, America. Beat time. The belief that there is more time, much more time before than what has already elapsed in your life, often we become trapped and suffocated because we think the best has already happened, but I'm here to tell you the best is yet to come. And lastly, America, you know what I'm about to say. If you don't love you, who else will? Because nobody can do it like you. Anyway, that's our show for today. I thank you so much for listening. Now, go and have an awesome week. I will talk to you on uh, Sunday night at 730. This has been Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. I love you guys. Have a fantastic